Hi, everybody, and welcome to Podcast of the Planet of the Apes. Today's episode is... Episode 7, Planet of the Apes, the novel by Pierre Bowl, a.k.a. Monkey Planet. I think that was perfect. You enjoyed yourself on that one. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a lot. Hi, everybody. This is Andrew. And this is Joe. Uh, welcome to Podcast of the Planet of the Apes, where we discuss Planet of the Apes, all things apes and planets. <laughs> Today, we'll be discussing two planets. Uh, so you're in for a treat. If you wanted more planets in our podcast, it is happening. We've done it. We've arrived. Yeah. We're discussing uh, the novel Planet of the Apes by Pia Bu from 1963. And this is going to be a, a really interesting show. Uh, we have a really cool guests with us as well. And uh, yeah, so enjoy it. Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome to today's episode where we're discussing Monkey Planet. Monkey today, Planet. <laughs> today, today, we've got a really cool guest. We've got uh, Alexa with us today. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you? pretty pretty good pretty good very, very excited <laughs> i don't know if you want to like introduce yourself tell people who you are yeah i'm a movie enthusiast is probably the best thing to say and an artist and uh really excited to participate in a multimedia discussion on a, a really cool movie series uh yeah <laughs> so yeah you're joining us today as we discuss monkey planet aka planet of the apes the novel this was printed in 1963 by Pierre Boulle. Yep, that's how it's said. I don't speak <laughs> French. <laughs> I took Spanish. Pierre Boulle. Boulle. Pierre Boulle. Pierre Boulle. Yeah. Also wrote Bridge Over the River Kwai. Pretty good writer. Uh, Pretty at least good. Good, good movies based it's on okay. his works. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, wanna, right. I don't know. Yeah, we're going to get into that. That said, uh, yeah, the 1963 uh, book in which... Planet of the Apes was based off of essentially it's very similar to the original novel, but starts off and ends very differently. Uh, we've got a different cast of characters as well for our scientists or our space people. So we've got uh, Ulysses Melu, who is a journalist as well as the main character. So he's a writer. So it's a little bit different than Taylor. But then we've <laughs> oh, also just got <laughs> just, just a little, little bit, just a barely tiny at all. You barely even notice. But then we've also got two other scientists uh, that are with him. Professor Antel, who is essentially like a rich, wealthy dude that wants to go on this mission. And uh, Arthur Levayon. <laughs> I have no background in French, but Andrew, I think you're killing it. <laughs> in, it actually, he's murdering the French language. <laughs> <laughs> Literally killing. <laughs> Thank you, mon frere. Me oh. amigos. Oh. oh wow! Mixed, yeah, multi bilingual. Very wow. nice. Just French, as you can clearly tell. And there's a third scientist as well, <laughs> um, <laughs> which we we talked about, uh, Arthur Levayon. So they are traveling out to go to uh, Beetlejuice, the star, not the uh, ghost. <laughs> with with the most. That'd be a very different book. Can you imagine? <laughs> Yeah, I, I have stuff to say about Beetlejuice eventually when we get to it. The the movie or <laughs> no the play? Uh, no, 
the Broadway play. No, uh, so not going to lie. I mean, I listened to this book. Uh, that's the only uh, only thing I had time for, to be honest yeah. with you, uh, to listen right. to the audiobook. The narrator was fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Like, the guy who was, who was actually doing the audiobook was, was really great. Kind of reminded me of Gordon Ramsay. But if I heard him <laughs> say the name Beetlejuice one more time, I was going to I was going to lose it. <laughs> I have different things to talk about because you and I both did the audio book. We'll, we'll discuss that. Uh, so, so they travel to Beetle, Beetlejuice or Beetlegeist, wherever. Uh, they land on a planet and it is essentially they find out that it's inhabited by uh, humans that can't talk and are pretty stupid, apparently. Then, of course, you know, like the film, he gets captured by apes. Uh, placed into a facility where we meet Zira. Uh, Zira, Cornelius, and Dr. Zaius are all in the original novel. Zaius, not as much, but at least Zira and Cornelius. There's a lot of sexual chemistry between uh, Ulysses, Melo, and Zira. It is goddamn palpable. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Cut that tension with a knife, baby. Yeah, so there's a lot of that. And then essentially it it goes into a very different route where we kind of explore the implications of being held as a captive animal. And then Ulysses gives a speech at a scientist fair and (laughs) essentially (laughs) uh, essentially is released because they all realize that he's, you know, a thoughtful creature. And then it kind of goes the route of the third film where him and Nova are about to have a child and Cornelius and Zira save Ulysses by getting him back onto a spaceship and he lands back on earth and oh, oh there's a twist so uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll go into that as well enter the Tim Burton universe I said it I said it I didn't realize how close it was but I knew that the Tim Burton film had more in common with the book which is weird so we can kind of like discuss the book at great length I think and kind of uh, compare it to the to the film but there's one major thing i want to bring up in that that essentially was i i texted joe i was halfway through the book and he's halfway through the book uh we were listening to it mm-hmm. and um i hadn't even gotten to cornelius yet and it was mostly just ulysses and zira and i was like and nova i'm like this book is really horny oh my gosh it was crazy <laughs> I'm like, what crazy. in the hell? Oh my god, he's so. Uh. <laughs> well, just, well, just so you know, the book, um, while it may be written by Pierre Bull, that is actually uh, Pepe Le Pew's. Uh, <laughs> oh, is that pen <laughs> name? So now you know. Oh my gosh, it makes so much more sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so I I read part of the book, then I listened mm-hmm. to part of it on okay. uh, audio, and then after that, I read or I I rewatched. Um, the original movie, the, the one from 1968. And I thought, and I was, I remembered correctly that the 1968 movie was like, kind of, you know, like creepy, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of like, a lot of, a lot of longing looks at uh, Nova and just mm-hmm. like, and my God, was I wrong compared to how bad the book is. It, it's yeah, it, very uncomfortable. It puts it in perspective. Yeah. <laughs> a whole lot of like, um, one of my favorite things loved to hate things about the book was that uh, was the, the way that the the main character and he was the narrator. So it was all mm-hmm. through his eyes would say like, like he'd, he'd get into this, this like um, hot and heavy situation with Nova where he's like, 
he's like he's like flirting with her or he's like he's like addressing how attractive she is and mm-hmm. he would be like i can't believe that i the pinnacle of humanity like you know he would like talk about how great he was and then be like i can't believe i've stooped to this level thinking that this like young woman is so lovely <laughs> like come on man but she's so lovely, yet she has the mind of an animal. Like, how could I love something that has the mind of an animal? Yeah, so gross. So gross. I'm never a fan of when someone calls another human a creature. Yeah. It's just super. Like, again, we're looking at this in the year 2020. Right. So still 1963 is not great, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We are looking at it from that lens, but you also have to look at it from the lens of he is trying to compare. Well, from the French, yes. No, uh, you have to look at it from the lens of he is trying to compare like her mental state too. Yeah, right. And I, I do get that, but even before we get into her mental state, he, I, I I wrote down certain lines that really creep me out. One of my first lines is uh, so it the three astronauts they they land on earth and it does follow the movie very well like you know joe and you and i were watching the movie and we're like man charlton heston just likes to get naked no that's just (laughs) straight up straight up in the book which now i see why charlton heston was pushing to get this movie made (laughs) well yes he likes to get naked but and as they all like to get naked but also did you notice like uh mero was like I'm so sorry for how naked I am. Like, yeah, oh, constantly, <laughs> constantly apologizing. <laughs> and well, he was like so self-conscious about it. And then at one point, he's like, "Like, no matter how embarrassed I was, I realized that everyone was just staring at me because I was a human." And I was right. like, "Yeah, that makes that makes yeah, that, a lot more sense, dude. More sense. Come on." At the beginning, they 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 go and they take their bath again, and of course, they first spot Nova, and the way he describes her. <laughs> is a woman a young girl or maybe a goddess and she's naked by the way yeah everyone's naked everyone's naked all the humans are naked yeah oh yes yeah right and then he goes most perfect body she reminded him of a wretched mad girl he once knew oh yeah that's right me too Uh, what a what a weird thing to say what's that story I wrote a lot of notes at the beginning of this. <laughs> Very weird. Like, Very weird. Finds finds her to be completely lovely and attractive and compares her to a goddess. And it's like, but she reminds me of a wretched girl I once knew. Right. And and that's how she, he's like, he always describes her. It's not just in the first like couple of chapters. It's like anytime she, so, she shows up and like interacts with him, that's exactly how he describes her. It's, he keeps putting her down throughout it, which I get. And maybe it's our association with Nova from the the first two films. But um, she's not that bad. <laughs> no, in the, in the movie, in the movies. No, in the movies, they don't make her bad at all. And like straight up, one of your first interactions with Nova is her murdering an, a small chimpanzee in this in this book. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, poor Hector. I felt so bad for Hector, man. That was crazy that she just just killed that monkey. They're that monkey. <laughs> the way they describe it too, it's like she she was baring her teeth and she just like sprung out like a like a 
freaking like Batman, like spring out <laughs> Batman <laughs> shit out of this chimpanzee. Like that's how they how they described it. It's like uh, it was very heartbreaking to me. I, I was like, oh, this is so sad. One of the really great parallels that the book, like one of the first parallels that the book made and the movie didn't to like what it seemed like Pierre Bole or whatever his name is um, mm-hmm. was trying to make was that like, like he's setting up the concept of like savage savagery being not just a human trait or not just a, like an animal trait, but it right. kind of goes back and forth throughout the book. Like, like they see this girl and she's like beautiful and naked and like watching them from a rock. And then she just murders their pet. Like, <laughs> It's like it wasn't even like he was a pet. He was like one of their crewmates. It was like, hey, Hector, they're, you know, grabbing a beer with Hector. (laughs) He was a well-trained diver. (laughs) That chimp could do whatever you needed him to do in any diving situation. And he's the first to go. Very important member of the crew. He will be missed. (laughs) So I thought, which was kind of interesting, was the professor on tell says a lot of lines at the beginning of the book that are then directly lifted in the film for Taylor where he's like, you know, he's he's tired of his fellow men and he's, he just, so I feel like, I feel like Heston got about 10 pages into this (laughs) and was like, that's the guy I want to play. And they're like, Ooh, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would be a very different movie. I will say, uh, as as I got through the book and as the you know as listening to the audiobook, I'm like, you know, I kind of wouldn't mind seeing a direct translation to film at some point of this book. Totally, I I think it 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 is so different of a meaning I think than the original that I would like to see like a better adaptation of this. I know. I think it was was it Dark Horse? It, it might have been Boom. Um, there was a new comic book that did a graphic novel adaptation of this. So oh, wow. I'll, have to, I'll have to check that out at some point. Uh, Paulo Rivera did the cover. That's all I know because he's a very good artist. Um, <laughs> nice. Sweet. Might have to check that out. But yeah, it 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 definitely goes in a very different direction than the original film. So essentially, Ulysses Melu. <laughs> Our journalists. Well, actually, you know what? Let, let's let's take a step back before we even get to the scientists. We follow this couple out in space that are sailing. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, that was so in, in space. Jin and Phyllis. Yeah, Jin and Phyllis. Weird, right? <laughs> uh, so it starts with these cosmonauts, and they keep calling them cosmonauts that they're out in space and they're sailing, and there is so much information about how to sail a spaceship. Oh yeah. And it, essentially, I think Pierre Bull just really liked like uh, sailing a ship and just wanted to write about that, but in space for a little bit. I mean, it makes sense. No, no totally. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and so <laughs> Jin and Phyllis, they come across this this note in a bottle out in space, as you do. And um, <laughs> this is the story of of Ulysses Melo. So there, there is like a beginning and an end kind of coda to this of Jin and Phyllis reading the story very early on as Jin is reading it Phyllis keeps interrupting him about like humans <laughs> so it's clearly obvious that they're apes and they're out in space sailing around 
at least to me it was i don't know if you guys thought that they were anything different no um, no definitely okay. when she was like when she was like oh, humans i dare say oh why how how ridiculous i i couldn't possibly imagine i was like okay i get it <laughs> my monocle dropped her monocle dropped i get it um <laughs> yes um and it, and it would appear Jin was late for the short line railroad right exactly <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was an interesting tie-in to the ending the diff how the ending is different from the book and the movie mm -hmm. oh, very and much. yeah i i didn't expect that at all i'm sure we'll get to it but i i feel like those tie-ins were pretty important to the the new ending kind of thing right or the original ending yeah um, so yeah because <laughs> i think we're, we in the zeitgeist we're all so familiar with uh, the original film over the book oh very yeah, much so and i actually the first movie that i saw in the planet of the eights trilogy was um the 2001 version like <laughs> nice like <laughs> me too me too <laughs> like 12 or 13 years ago i watched it like just it was like playing on sci-fi channel or something and then oh, i watched man. the whole thing loved it and then my dad was like, oh, you got to watch the original. <laughs> and I was like, this is a totally different movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I have not seen the 2001 one since uh, since it came out in theaters. So I'm very afraid to revisit that one. I'm really uh, excited about it. <laughs> I'm kind of like I because I, I rewatched the um, the 1968 one for this podcast and then um i rewatched the um the 2011 reboot like prequel series mm -hmm. and now i'm like i gotta i gotta watch the 2001 version too just to like you know round out my round out everything <laughs> power to you uh <laughs> hey you know what? just just go go through just go through all the old ones too while you're at it like we did just just follow yeah. along <laughs> at yeah. least the at least the third one here we go again we're gonna do it again <laughs> we're just gonna keep going again <laughs> So, uh, Ulysses Melu, uh, he, he gets captured and placed into like a cell with Nova. Big difference here is that it's a modern society of apes. So they drive cars, they have technology. So this is not them living in like Flintstone huts, like the original film. So they have guns, they have clothing, a lot of the gorillas, they really go into the class system, which I really liked about how the gorillas are kind of the brutes. Not even that the gorillas are the brutes. Like the gorillas were portrayed very differently in this book as like upper class. They were upper class hunters. Mm -hmm. Like bureaucrats almost. As as they say, yeah, she yeah. monkeys wearing suits <laughs> and, <laughs> and lovely dresses. Yeah, yeah, they're like the aristocrats. They're like which is, the... which is different because when you look at Aldo and you look at uh, Ursus, they they are not that. Maybe Ursus a little bit. <laughs> Ursus definitely a, a little bit because I mean that dude just hangs out in a spa. Here we go again with that too. <laughs> the first time you see a um, a monkey's what was it? You see an ape's uh, kneecaps, uh, kneecaps, uh, yeah, ape, yeah, ape's yeah. knees. Oh my god, I, I will never forget that moment of my life. <laughs> So the gorillas are kind of the aristocrats and then the the orangutans are still the leaders of like science and the faith they really kind of go into just how kind of unwilling they are to change their opinions of things more so than how zeus was like keeper of the faith 
and how he was kind of protecting society. The orangutans in this are just straight up like, no, I if I see the color red, it's red. Like, Well, yeah, that was really interesting because in the the movie, the orangutans are like, and the, in the movie, there's so much religion. There's mm-hmm. like the sacred scrolls and there's this like, they're hinting at some sort of like deeper mythology in the culture of the apes. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in the book, um, the orangutans are like, they say that they're like what uh, official science or something. Yes. They're yeah. like, they represent stagnation. And at one point, or maybe a couple of times, um, Ulysses talks about how the chimpanzees are like uh, the ones that are like spurring on more research. And, and Zero talks about how she's like constantly trying to like write new books and things. And the orangutans are the ones that are like making sure that everyone just keeps relearning the same information. Oh my gosh, that was great. <laughs> yeah, that was like a, a really great concept. And to see that fleshed out more so uh, within here than just kind of seeing that small little trial within the film. Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you, you definitely get like a much better uh, idea of why the orangutans are the way they are. That said, while Zeus is still an asshole, he's not really in this like he barely doesn't barely that large of a role he keeps like he comes in he like looks looks at things he like he's like nah i don't like that and then leaves like he doesn't (laughs) do (laughs) what i found to be interesting and they like i guess they had to do it this way for the movie because they couldn't think to do anything else like in today's movies obviously if the apes had their own language they would have just made up their own language for the apes in the movie yeah they had their own language that Merrill had to learn. Yeah, I like that. In the movie, Taylor gets his neck hurt, so he can't speak, and they can't communicate with each other other than sign language. So they kind of broke it down that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of my. That was another one of my favorite parts of like um, com- comparing and contrasting the two stories. Is like the book deals so much with language and like why that's important to civilization and what we think of as humanity and being civilized like both the apes and the humans are constantly talking about the brain and why we communicate and and how we talk and how we communicate and the movie's kind of true to that still Mm -hmm. like they still follow that sort of development but in their own unique way (laughs) like i thought yeah i thought that the book was uh the book's take on that was really really cool let, let's just let's talk Zira for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. First off, there's a theme throughout all the films that just pretty much every guy that comes into contact with Zira really, really wants to get with Zira. Yeah. Oh. And I now see where that originates from. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. More so than the movies. Like this guy is like. He's got the hots. Oh my gosh! Oh, very much so. The hots are being mild, Um. (laughs) and but it's interesting because like there's that whole gross like physical attraction with Nova, Mm -hmm. and it's gross because she's like she doesn't have any like intelligence. She can't communicate with him at all. The the main character Ulysses, and then but with Zira, there's like. 
they're, they're constantly talking and they're like on the same side with their like their goals and ambitions and like like zero wants to learn more and he wants to learn more about their planet and they're both like kind of fighting dr zayas like or whatever and uh and then and at one point when everything's coming to a head he's like she's I, like uh there's no emotion there's no human emotion that can describe how i feel about her and like they were about to kiss as lovers and then she's like oh you're too unattractive i can't it's like the right. funniest like he's like talking about her as if she's the love of his life his like, <laughs> intellectual equal in like all things and then she's just like you're too gross i can't <laughs> They use very little of that within the film because, I mean, yeah. like, Taylor, of course, at the end goes, you know, Doctor, can I kiss you? And she's like, but you're just so damn ugly. And they end up kissing anyway. Which is such a better line than, and I wrote this, you are really too unattractive. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I wonder if that's like a translation problem, right? I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so like. Maybe that's just a French thing. Like, they... And then Charlton Heston was like, you know, it would sound cooler. Let me say it this way. <laughs> Real hip-like. <laughs> well, the, the crazy thing about the book is that she actually did seem to want it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't doubt that at all. In the movie, Zira didn't want it. No, Zira yeah. was just <laughs> legitimately just a compassionate ape. Yeah. And, and I think ambitious and like very yes. like... And, and passionate about like her work like she mm-hmm. sees him as like a curiosity um and she argues for his like like liberty almost you know what I'm talking? like that right. one scene where she's like in front of the orangutan council and she's like fighting with them and, and Cornelius is like oh my god chill please the love <laughs> of god you truly have no chill honey you've got no None whatsoever. Right, please. Oh, you're so embarrassing. Cornelius was really interesting in the book too, because he comes across as like older and like a little bit more like crafty. Like he in the book, he wants to be he wants to have Zias's job, right? Doesn't he take yeah. it? Yeah, he does. At one point? Yeah. Yeah. He he ends up taking that and Zayas, they say, like moves on to a different department, which I thought meant like, oh, we're gonna see him again. Yeah. Nope. nope. Zayas is literally just gone. Like, he just gets fired. It's so crazy how the movie is just like, yeah, you know what? We're just going to take this guy who's literally in one, you know, section of this book, and he's going to be our big bad for this for this first movie. Right. Well, I mean, it makes sense if if you're trying to, like, make it as streamlined as possible, and you use the orangutans then as Definitely. that, as opposed to the whole baby and you know all that stuff like i i think it made sense more so i think for a shorter piece to just use zayas because he kind of was the antagonist for you know 15 pages (laughs) and in film that's 15 minutes so (laughs) yeah he in the book he's like he he's the bad guy when you need one bad guy and then he disappears when it becomes like a like a society problem when it's like towards the end and they and and ulysses has had some like um he's had some successes in like convincing some apes that he is in fact an alien and he's not just a normal (laughs) human which is insane to think about like just to I, I think actually, I don't know if this is the right time to talk about it, but I think 
that was one of the most insane parts of the book to me is I think the movie equivalent is when Taylor is talking to the council of orangutans. But at one point Ulysses is in front of like a huge council of monkeys. It's like hundreds of monkeys and he gives this big speech and then they just believe him. They're just like, yes, great, a human alien. Let's believe, like, let's let's uh, let's work together for the benefit of both of our our races. If you get a chance to see the the third film for Escape from Planet of the Apes, the exact thing happens from the opposite side, where Cornelius and Zira are in the past, and they're pretty much explaining to people that they're from the future, and everyone's like, oh, okay, cool, like, yeah, that's great. And like only one guy's got a problem with oh, it. Oh yeah. That's no, that would never happen. That's insane. <laughs> well, if you if you go back and listen to our episode about the third film, we talk about how like the president's like, oh yeah, no, totally. These guys are cool. I like these guys. And and <laughs> and like he's the most <laughs> understanding president ever. Yeah, he was great. It's all um right. <laughs> so, it was probably the most unbelievable part of that film. <laughs> <laughs> the monkeys from the future. Right. No, it's just, you know, nice president. By the way, we've been using the term monkey so liberally. Um, we we oh, yeah. forgot that in the third film, uh, they don't like that term. No, they 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 claim it is a it is a basically a racist term. They they are apes, uh, whereas in the book, they all call each other monkeys. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's like every other word is monkey. Uh, yeah. She monkey. She monkey. Monkey, this, monkey that. Monkey, monkey children. Because it's monkey planet. Right. right. Yeah. 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 The direct translation of the title Monkey Planet. I love I love to picture how that conversation would have gone. Like, you know, they they get this translated book from this well-known author from France and they're like, "Okay, uh, what's it called? Monkey Planet." And they're like, "No. No, we're not selling that to Americans." No. <laughs> That's kind of accurate. We, we watched the uh, <laughs> Making Apes documentary on the last episode. <laughs> And they talk about like this gamble that Fox took on Monkey Planet. That's great. That's so <laughs> you good. You know, having to change the name to to Planet of the Apes and everything, which I think is a better name. I agree. But I, I agree. but I but I do love Monkey Planet. Um, so. <laughs> so much so that we're changing the name of the of the show. <laughs> Real quick about Cornelius as well. Um, I was very upset that Cornelius wasn't in like the first half of the book. Like I'm like, where the hell is this guy? I assumed that he wasn't even going to be in it at this point. Cause I just thought that they were writing a straight up romance between Ulysses Melu and <laughs> Zira. So it did seem like it was going that way for a while. Right. Really and did. then all of a sudden she's like, Oh yeah, my fiance. And he's like, wait, what? And <laughs> fiance, he says right. that he's like engaged, like <laughs> super shocked. Yeah, he's very upset mixed signals we meet cornelius and i was listening to this at night and i had my headphones on i was so happy when cornelius showed up because his first words are well i never yep. <laughs> a little known fact about me i love pretending to be a yacht owner <laughs> of course you do and my favorite thing to say is well, I never. <laughs> oh, guffaw. So, oh yes, just, Muffy. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, for Halloween last year, <laughs> Haley and I went as yacht owners. It was it was wonderful. Everyone got it. No, they didn't. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so, um, 
I was through the roof with that. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't think that I could like Cornelius more. And then I realized that he's just a preppy yacht owner guy. He really is. So he he probably likes, you know, some sweet looking glass and other 70s jams. Uh, <laughs> just to, just like set up the scene, though, real quick in the book. You've got you've got uh, Miro, you've got Zira and mm-hmm. they are walking through a park. And when I'm thinking about this, I'm like, oh, I'm just thinking of like Charlton Heston wearing the loincloths or anything like that. No, no, no. He's just a naked dude with a leash yeah. <laughs> walking through this park. Which is not something unseen that you you could probably see that in New York City and Central Park at any point in the day. But where where are you <laughs> going? <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> When's the last time you were in Central Park? Uh, yesterday. No. Uh, <laughs> and what were you wearing? I don't okay, want to so, know. So okay. All right. Let me let me set this up. Okay. I was in Central Park. <laughs> I was wearing a leash, stark naked. Right. <laughs> hey man, what you do in your own time is fine. You Look, just, I'm you willing. To talk, I'm willing to talk about this on this podcast. It's an open. As form. long as you're wearing a mask, I'm fine with. It. No, no. Oh well, then screw you. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> right. So yes, you're right. They they were in a park. It's just so weird to to like think about because I keep comparing it to the movie because that's my only baseline. You know, and I I I totally agree with you because when I read that scene when like. Zira, so what was happening in the book? It was like Moreau had convinced Zira that he was like he was an alien and he had all of this like extra intelligence that they didn't know about. And then they go into the park and he like like Zira takes him outside of the facility for the first time and he's naked and he's self-conscious and he's wearing a leash. And then they go into a park and it's like they're strolling through. It's like this really nice, you know, scenic. And for some reason, it reminded me more of um the the 2011 movie the that sort of like modern setting where james franco has this monkey on a leash (laughs) and he's like and he's like like hanging out with uh like his hot vet friend (laughs) (laughs) and in like like in like the california national forest like that sort of thing and I thought it was so, yeah, I don't know why, like, the parallels between the the rise of the, because I know you guys haven't talked about that movie yet, but mm-hmm. um, the parallels between the book and that movie is, like, so fascinating. It's so cool. So cool that they were able to, like, make those same sorts of, like, tie-ins where instead of like in in the 2011 movie you have an an ape going through what Moreau went through i think it's really fascinating especially when once we get to the more recent films of just how much they've molded and taken from the previous films as well as the book because you're right like that totally did not even like dawn on me that during oh rise of the planet of the apes <laughs> that it why did uh, i know he was doing it i knew it. i knew he was doing it and then it's bound to happen we couldn't stop it you're totally right though like that that is just a straight up parallel to the to the book of a young caesar kind of reacting to another dog on a leash and being like whoa yeah. what's what's going on here yeah, there, there's just so much to kind of unpack with this book and how much the legacy has on the rest of the series while not being directly adapted. 
Um, so I, yeah. I find it really interesting how they've kind of like throughout the original five films and the new three films, how they just kind of picked apart the book and we're like, oh, that's a good idea. Let's let's throw that in there because there's a lot of great ideas in this book. Definitely. Yeah. Whether or not it's well written, uh, it might be a translation <laughs> thing. <laughs> I had it, such a huge problem. I, I was an English major, so I've, you know, okay. done a lot of like book analyses and uh, a lot of comparisons of literature. And this, this, I, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't like it. <laughs> it's, kind, it's kind of a mess. I think when you listen to it, it's a little bit easier. It, it's got to be a little, because I, like I said, I didn't it read is. it. It's, it's got to be a little easier when you're doing the audio book. Um, by Greg Wise, actually. We'll right. That's yeah. yeah. That that's who I listened to as well. It was the Greg Wise audiobook? Was do you know which audiobook you listened to? I think I listened to to two, and then one wasn't loading very. Oh, um, Alan Leah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So you listened to it? Yeah, something by Alan Leah. Uh, he was pretty good too. I mean, he was a good narrator. The read I read um, the books separated into three parts. Um, yes. And the first part is like him in captivity until I think about when he's able to, he starts to convince Zira that he has mm -hmm. intelligence. And then the second part is him and Zira working it out, like, like learning about each other. And then the third one is after he's been accepted by ape society or something like that. And I think I read like physically like a, um, a digital copy um like halfway through the book at least a third but i definitely into the second part um and and it's 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 very weird to read <laughs> to read the story and then you're like i'm like like trying to remember how it connects in the book for some reason when when i was listening to it i was able to make more parallels to different movies and stuff i could see that yeah I, I think the way it's written is just so it's so verbose in certain areas. Oh, yeah. That it doesn't really need to. It's, it's it really doesn't need to be at the very beginning. The the way that he when they're in the water. And this is something that I meant to talk about as well earlier, because um, I don't like feet. <laughs> <laughs> and the three of them, like while they're in the water, they like look down and they see a woman's footprint and they all get like so super into it yeah they were ready and for I'm it like, crazy, i'm like yeah. it's a footprint guys like which and happens like, in the movie but they're not nearly as weird about it <laughs> right but like they're like oh man it's a footprint i mean it could be a feminine man or it could be a younger kid but oh it's definitely a lady and i'm like whoa like this is way too long Look, this was the original footprint. equivalent to feet pics yeah. Oh, I was I was gonna say it's the original equivalent to Quentin Tarantino, but I don't know what a I don't know what a feet pick is, and I don't want to know what a feet pick is. And I let's will, move I will on to the next after, section. After I don't want you to so ever tell I'm me you vomit. I'm planning on making you vomit. Um, that's my that's my goal. <laughs> I'm dying. You have asked me to be your co-host. <laughs> uh, right. So I'm so glad I'm here for this, guys. This, yeah, our final episode. Yeah, for the last uh, episode ever. Uh, as a team, as a team, I'm going to make my own separate uh, Planet of the Apes podcast called Monkey Planet while Andrew does this one. Oh, I like that. We split off. Uh, okay. No, so 
I did want to bring something up. So you say, you know, it's, it's broken up into three parts, right? The the book is yeah. broken into three parts. And they they acknowledge that in the audio book too. Like Greg Wise will actually say part one, part book two, part three. three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter one, part three. And like he gets into this whole thing. Oh, that's pretty yeah. good. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, so they, they break <laughs> it up into these three parts and they pulled, they really did pull a lot for all the sequels too from this one book. I'm looking as I was listening to it. I'm like, wow, this is just like uh, it's just like conquest, and this one is is more like that. Other than the mutants, the mutants, I I was very shocked to see that no mutants actually popped up. And I'm sorry, Alexa, if I'm spoiling uh, these ancient films. Oh my god, <laughs> I I mean yes, but also I'm so intrigued because I've I haven't seen them, so I want to know what are all the connections. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, oh. there, there's there's a lot of interesting connections. There's Stuff with Caesar in, am I right? And it's conquest when they do all the the like the torture scenes and the oh yeah totally yeah, yeah. like and when they're trying to teach the apes like experimentation. To, well, not even just experimentation, but they're trying to teach apes how to be like ape butlers and ape waiters and trying to oh. teach them to do stuff, which happens in the book. We get it, yeah. We get Moreau we trying to teach the humans to do it, and I'm like, oh wow. So they just they just flip it. They just flip everything. To be the other direction. Not even that. The reveal towards the end of the book, where and explain to me the science of this, because maybe I'm <laughs> I'm mistaken here. As we um, all know, I am a leading scientist in this in this group. So go ahead. Thank go. you. Um so Cornelius, <laughs> along with one of his colleagues, they're zapping people with electrodes. Uh, yes. Yeah. To make, That's to right, make because- their like the whole the, one of the huge like like plot through lines of this book for the apes is that they're t- taking humans to experiment on them and learn about the human brain because they have been in like a stagnated scientific epic like like in their culture for like thousands of years or something and they've made no scientific discoveries so um you know at one point zero tells Ulysses that that they are using humans to experiment on and learn more about their biology. That's what you're talking about. Okay. With that though. And again, if you can explain the science to me, (laughs) they're shocking a patient that they have. And through the shock therapy, they unlock all of human history. (laughs) Yeah. I was very confused about this. It is, uh, this is very assassin's creed. That they, I mean, this was. This book is way I'm going to take your word for it. I've never played an Assassin's Creed. When the first game first came out, I had a tube TV, and it was very hard to read the controls. So, I, I mean, Alexa, I don't know how into video games you are because I'm about to get. I'm about to get kind of, kind of deep into the into this. Go for it. <laughs> no, I mean, I have, I have an Assassin's Creed tattoo, so I've played every single one of these games. <laughs> okay, I know um, Kristen Bell was in it. Yes. Yes, yes, she was. I know that parkour comes from it. Parkour, parkour. Parkour does not come from that, but parkour is a a big part of Assassin's Creed. I'm pretty sure you're wrong. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it comes from parkour. I'm pretty sure it comes from that. I'm pretty sure the office uh, developed parkour. (laughs) No, I'm I'm pretty sure that that's French. Yeah, it's based off of the uh, the video game. Pierre Bowles, yeah. no. <laughs> created by David Bell, a French actor. No, what? 
Interesting. Anyway. Okay. He's known as the father and the creator. Okay. So yeah, French. (laughs) (laughs) That works. Uh, All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) So seriously, in, in Assassin's Creed, what they do is they actually have a machine that unlocks the past essentially it, it connects to the ancestors of the character so they kind of went that way in this book which is weird to think about like this i was like what the hell like i was very confused very confused by that one scene and the woman's getting different voices coming out of her yes of her mouth and i'm like what is happening it's it's called genetic memory and that is Assassin's Creed. <laughs> right. And that is used in Assassin's Creed as well. As a and Monarch other, Butterflies, uh, right? Monarch mm-hmm. Butterflies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I, Mighty Monarch, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have some theories about what, what Pierre Bo- Bobo was trying to say. But uh, it, with his... <laughs> with his with this book but uh i do think that there was like he's he's dwelling on on issues of of civilization and technology like and science and he has all of these different things that he's developing and trying to point out um between apes and humans and the only thing i can i can say about that scene the only thing that makes sense to me about that scene is that a he had to tell us how the planet got that way like he had to give some sort of backstory and and b there might be something to be said about like if humans were able to speak there would be some sort of oral history and so you know maybe he's trying to make some sort of connection not scientifically but like culturally about how people develop through stories right and that seems to tie in a little bit with the movie and their sacred scrolls. I don't know. There's like a very thin line there, I think. <laughs> if you squint and tilt your head. There was a better way for Pierre Bull to to make that connection happen, I think. For sure. When he's when he's putting this world of technology where you can fly through space and it only takes two years, but now you've traveled like 3,000 years <laughs> into the future. Yeah. Uh, when you have all this stuff and... It, you could have potentially come up with something, especially when they went to their version of the forbidden zone, which wasn't actually a forbidden zone. Like anybody could go to those (laughs) rooms. It was okay. There was no like, ah, you can't go here. And you know, they had the human, the human doll. Like there could have been something there that bridged that connection. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I thought that was, it was, it was definitely interesting because you have the, the revelation of, of the ancient city with humans earlier and the doll that, for some reason in, in this version says Papa instead of mama. Mm-hmm. Cause I guess Papa is just universally known through French and ape. So I guess. it was maybe a good word. It, maybe it's a French doll from the sixties. Who knows? Right. <laughs> le, le Papa. Isn't that potato? Is it? Or is, or is that Spanish? No, that's oh, Papa's, Papa's fritos. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> this is a, oh boy. <laughs> This is this um, is problematic. Papas fritas is okay. chips. That's, that's... <laughs> it's palm frites in in French, I believe. I don't understand language at all. I got English, and that's it. I was just about to say. <laughs> <laughs> 
no, wait, I have a question going back to that scene um, where I, I'm still talking about it. So oh, go I agree. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Just t- taking a step away from the doll and going back to the scene where the woman's like, like yeah. narrating all of these different stories. Do any of those stories come up in the, the later like sequels, yes. like very yes, spe- those specific, like very specific stories? Not like extremely specific, but that's what I, I was kind of wanting to get into was the lady oh, talking about her gorilla. So essentially, we we get to the point where in this woman's genetic memory, she goes through kind of the history of the uprising of the apes and one about how a scientist is working on a cure for cancer. But then the apes uh, overpower him and they decide that they're going to do the cure for cancer and they inject him with the cancer. At that point, I thought we were going to get into a moment where this is the scientist responsible for the apes to uprise right i thought i thought we were kind of going to get into the 2011 film right like hey uh you know we're gonna we're gonna cure alzheimer's and uh (laughs) uh-oh i i killed humanity i'm james franco (laughs) as james franco does right so i assumed that that's where this was going but then they just kind of like oh no that's just a little one-off story and then like the next story about how the woman and her pet gorilla and how the gorilla just one day is like no you're gonna make me dinner and uh i'm gonna go out to uh (laughs) to go listen to some speeches which i'm like whoa so i'm like here we go we're at a point now where essentially they everyone had helper monkeys or apes in this world and essentially like they just started becoming more and more associated with aping humanity and that was a big part of this book was that pierre Bellu, he kind of comes across and he's uh, or at least you ulysses uh he's all like hey you know the word ape in my language means to like copy something like you ape yeah. someone and he's all like maybe that's all your society is is you've just been aping what you saw from humans in the past and that yes while the humans did die out and something happened to them the apes only became better because they were only aping the humans which could also lead to the stagnation because they only aped everything that they ever saw of humans which means that they reached the pinnacle of where they stopped aping humans and they got nowhere else to go so that i thought that was kind of interesting but yes he plays into that so much (laughs) and he's like get it get it guys they're aping you get it? Aping. Yeah, they, they really they do harp on that uh, very much. Way too much. So the the woman who's going through this genetic memory, she brings up moments that are very similar to Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, which I thought was kind of interesting. And that's um, the third one, right? That's the fourth one. Oh, okay. So the third one, they go back in time, and then the fourth and the fifth one kind of show the uprising of the apes. So they're kind of prequels, even though they're sequels. Okay, cool. (laughs) Which is what more recent movies are kind of doing. The more recent movies were kind of remakes of the last two films of the five film trilogy. Okay, that part I didn't know. I'm so interested in watching all of them. I can't wait. Yeah, go for it. Watch and then go back and listen to our episodes and watch us uh, tear apart <laughs> the second film and then watch oh my it God. and then listen to us tear apart the fifth film because we are just, you know, millennials at best. Right, Andrew? Yeah, that was one of our reviews. Uh, it was a good review. One star. So. Uh, we don't we don't hark on that, but um, I got to tell you, those things make my they make my day like they're, they're I. Little- 
There was a really funny one that was like, um, I, you know, I'd really like to see more planets. Planets, yeah. <laughs> I, I read that in the last yeah. one. It was a phenomenal review. I love that guy. Or girl. Uh, I don't know who wrote it. Smeghead. Smeghead. Loving you, Smeghead. <laughs> but, oh my God, do do I love negative reviews? But please don't give us negative reviews, dear listeners. Yeah. If you give us a five-star review and leave a nice comment, we'll, we'll make a shout-out to you. So just a heads up. But uh, if you leave a one-star review, I will laugh hysterically. <laughs> you're making... <laughs> making their day either way exactly yeah exactly kind of an odd way of showing how the apes uprise through uh this one woman getting shocked in the forehead (laughs) and then from there we find out that nova is preggers with ulysses kid that was so uncomfortable yeah that was a very hard moment they kind of stated that they got intimate but they didn't really go into that they no but i think they made it perfectly clear i think in the for mm, much earlier in the book they're like he's still in captivity and the apes are performing experiments on him and one of the things that they're paying attention to is how humans mate and ulysses is like he notices that the males do this mating ritual and then they mate and the the apes like kind of force him to do it mm-hmm. and it's just the worst <laughs> i mean like yeah. they, they they cut before then but it's like oh, okay this is weird <laughs> yeah. and then and then they and i mean like they move quickly right along but it does really give you it that part especially made me really think about mm, how are we actually experimenting on animals right now? Like, you know what I mean? Like, have you seen uh, Okia on Netflix? Oh, I haven't yet. No. Oh my God. Oh, oh my God. It's 10 hundred times worse than this book. Just, just fair warning. Very, very bad. I mean, really amazing movie, but. Oh, okay. Okay. I was about to say, like, I've heard really good things. No, it's amazing movie, but extraordinarily violent. Going back to the last third of the book, when Nova's pregnant, it becomes this like new problem because they have a human offspring of this alien human who's hyper intelligent. Mm-hmm. And it becomes this like cultural problem. Like, what are we going to do with this baby that's that might have the intelligence of an alien? Which is interesting. Which know. is what the third film is. Yeah, that is the oh. third film. Yeah, <laughs> from the third film, yeah. But from the reverse. So it's Cornelius and Zira are back in time, and Zira's pregnant. <gasps> and the humans are all like, whoa, whoa hold up. Like, <laughs> That's so cool. That kid comes like forward, you know, that could, yeah. you know, destroy us. So it takes that and it flips it on its head, which was really kind of interesting, especially knowing that film and having that film also be like my favorite outside of the original where yeah. I was like, okay, like I, I like where this book is going. Cause I totally see what the third film did. And it really shows you how much the second film was just like, we don't know what the fuck. To do. <laughs> uh- <laughs> that was, that was actually the, the concept of a hyper intelligent baby made me mm-hmm. also think of the 2011 film. Mm-hmm. I keep saying 2011 because I really can never remember if it's Dawn or Rise. <laughs> <laughs> it is Rise. Okay, great. I believe you. Um, the, but it did make me think about Rise again because in Rise you have to deal with a genetically modified ape child, a chimpanzee, who you know is has the intelligence of a human being. 
and like the ramifications of that is just like an interesting twist on things. I really like how this uh, series does that. Oh, totally. Yeah, this book truly, uh, the movies truly ape this this book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need you need to actually add in the rest of the applause like a big crowd of people applauding no leave it like that (laughs) (laughs) i think joe what you're trying to say is that they ape them and then i'll add an applause (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, like <laughs> oh man <laughs> uh this will be fun it's getting uh, late. <laughs> <laughs> no le- legit though i you know as much as the the writing might have been a little rough i actually did really enjoy listening to uh listening to this story i agree same i don't think i would have enjoyed it if i read it i think i enjoyed it only because I also didn't enjoy reading it. Like, like, <laughs> like, so much of my experience with physically reading the book was like, oh my, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> but it was a really good story. It was a really good, interesting um, take on a on a familiar story for me. That was good. Like, it was yeah. surprisingly good. And the ending, while it is different, we we might kind of save that for when we. I don't know. Do you, Joe? What do you think? Do we talk about that? I mean, we're doing the book episode. Like, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Screw it. He he ends up go, leaving leaving the the planet. Oh, real quick, because uh, we listened to the Greg Wise version of it. Um, the entire time, I thought he kept saying that the name of the planet was Sauron. Yeah, Soror. I heard, yeah, Soror. But yes, yeah. I I heard the same as you. Um, I thought it was Sauron. <laughs> Yeah, so he, it was it was the Lord of the Rings, Planet of the Apes mashup. Man, we got to watch that movie if that's a thing. <laughs> okay, my mind went to Sauron, the supervillain from the X Men, the giant pterodactyl. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> all right, <laughs> but Lord of the Rings also works. I I don't know which one of those references. Is better. <laughs> so I was like, oh man, maybe this guy just really liked uh, X Men, but that was, I, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, Sorum was 1969, so clearly not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was reading, and I was reading, it's S O R O. Wait, yeah, S O R O R. So I was yeah, reading. Soror. Soror like horror in my head okay. and then i was as i was like listening to it later on the guy my guy was saying sorrow sorrow like like sorrow like oh wow so it was, yeah, Greg was saying it a little bit different too very spooky like <laughs> versions of the same name did he say beetlejuice or beetlegeist beetlejuice okay yeah our guy said yeah. beetlejuice <laughs> so so it was not alec baldwin no really weird greg wise kept going back and forth between zayas and zayas yeah well. he did he really did he kept changing the name um, um i, I and do he was doing he was doing a weird kim hunter impression but not like yes. a good but not like a good one 
Do you want me to try it? I could try it right now. Do you want oh, me to please go for it. Yeah. No, you don't understand. <laughs> you don't that's understand. Now, why is it? This. That's that's what he did. He was doing that. He, he was going kind of like Irish. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was going a little Irish with it. You you sound like freaking. Uh, <laughs> what is her name? Lady Bird. <laughs> She's Irish. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's what you started to sound like, Joe. That's what he Say was doing. Again. You do it again. Understand. I'm going to cottage in New York. Yeah, that's what he was doing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I, how, do, how does the story of, of apes have to do with going to college in New York? <laughs> Isn't that Ladybird? Yeah. Um, no, but like I, I do wish, I do wish he tried. I do wish he tried a little bit more to to differentiate his voices. I've listened to some fantastic audiobooks. Um, while he did a fantastic job, um, there's been some audiobooks where, like these these narrators really gave it like two hundred percent, and they <laughs> like they mm-hmm. they completely switched. Other than listening to Will Wheaton read Ready Player One, which I couldn't even finish because I did not want to listen to Will Wheaton anymore. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you don't deserve to wear that uniform. It's one of my favorite quotes from Star Trek. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, there is a, isn't there a Star Trek uh, versus Planet of the Apes comic book? We're probably going to have to get into that at some point. <gasps> oh, my God. There is. It is not next gen. It's the OG series, which makes sense. I was going to say that makes a lot more sense. Picard never met uh, Ursus. That would have been great. No. If Picard met these guys, they'd just be friends. Like, I don't think that they would fight. Oh, totally. Oh, Kirk would have totally just done it with Zira no matter what. That would have been it. That would have been (laughs) it. She wouldn't have found him ugly. No way. No, definitely not. Or I'm sorry, unattractive. Also, you want to make sure that you follow the rules of like first contact and everything like that. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I feel like Picard would have followed that, whereas Kirk usually just lands on the planet and is just like, oh, hey, yeah, no, we're totally mobsters, too. He lands on the planet, bangs whatever moves and then does and does whatever he wants. It's essentially it. God, I love the original series. <laughs> there is a uh, Planet of the Apes Star Trek. We'll have to read that at some point. Yeah, we'll get um, into that. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. There's also a Planet of the Apes Green Lantern. Oh, I can't wait to look at that. What? <laughs> yeah. What? Like recently. Like how recent? <laughs> I was still working at the comic shop, so like three years ago, four years ago. That's too recent. It that's is not, too recent. That's not okay. Cool with that. Cool with that. I, now that 20th Century Fox is owned by Disney and technically, I guess Marvel at this point, uh, we can really get oh. some. We can get some real stuff going too. Damn it! You're right. Oh, my entire life I thought I was building up be the guy that's going to write Planet of the Apes meets The Flash. And now that'll probably never happen. Yeah, that's dead now. He's got Gorilla Grodd. And Gorilla Grodd like, comes to the Planet of the Apes and he's all like, oh man, I can take over this planet with my mind control. Oh, the, you know what? The a good writing would be if they put Grodd <laughs> out there and he says the exact same thing that Taylor and those scientists say. Uh, when they first see the uh, the humans that are like really just like primitive, we'll be uh-huh. ruling this planet in a month. <laughs> that, right? it, like, that would be so good. <laughs> there, but he broke his leg and he can't run. And uh, yeah, I have a whole. We'll go into it. Oh my god, I just 
blew just, my entire future. Just do an episode. Just do an episode where you write uh like a fan fiction. Yeah, and then you get people to voice the different parts. Oh, that would be amazing. Done. Great episode. We're in. I'm in on that. Oh my god, that means I have to write an entire script. I'm totally in on this. I'm so confident in you. I <laughs> cannot wait for this. What? Yeah, no, this is happening. <laughs> awesome. Um God damn it. <laughs> I'm I'm serious. I know we're joking, but I'm very serious. Three parter, man. Three parter episode for us. Right there. That's three parts. Oh, that would be so good. You don't understand uh, how many like monkeys and apes that are in the DC universe that I absolutely love. Detective Chimp. <laughs> oh my god. So good. Kong Gorilla, Sam Simeon, Solovar. We're Magilla. going all in. Epo. <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't know about Magilla, but I mean, technically, they did do a Magilla Gorilla Nightwing crossover recently. Uh, so. uh, Magilla. All right. All right. <laughs> get Magilla in there. I got uh, a thing. I got a thing. <laughs> Where's this going? Wannabe. Um, you got to get wannabes, too. Okay, let's go. Oh, yeah. But let's go back. The end of this book. <laughs> it seems so long ago. What? Where are we? Furthest tangent that we've ever had. That's all right. We traveled 2,000 years into the future with that tangent, but it only took us five minutes. It was worth it. At the end of the book, he he comes back to Earth with Nova and his kid because they escaped the planet of the uh, the monkey planet. It's very clear that they got so when they arrived at the planet near Beetlejuice, they left their spaceship revolving mm-hmm. around the planet. It's very clear mm-hmm. that they get back onto the same ship and leave. Yep. Keep going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they fly back home. Yes. And he's all like, oh, man, you know, like, no one's going to remember me, but it's okay. I'll be surrounded by my fellow man. And throughout the entire book, he's he's pointing out, he's talking about their exact trajectory and the mm-hmm. exact place where Beetlejuice is and this planet and Earth is and all of that. And just pointing out again, very clear <laughs> that they're leaving and going somewhere oh, yes. else. Oh, yeah. They're <laughs> like, literally... This entire novel takes place on a different planet. Like yeah. this is not Earth. Like wild. Keep going. So yeah, yeah. They land in in France because they pass the Eiffel Tower. They land at Orly Airport. I had to look that up. That is in uh, France because this is French. He uh-huh. lands in the Orly <laughs> Airport, and of course like he gets out and he's all like oh i can see an officer coming this way but the sun's too bright and i can't see anything and uh he's like i'm so surprised though you know it should be thousands of years since uh we were last here but technology hasn't really improved like everything's all the same that's weird but whatever and he's like oh there's not a big crowd for me and he's like oh yeah everyone's dead but these people will be excited to see me so he shows up and then essentially like he can't see who the officer is the officer steps through like bushes for some reason i get the sense that he was kind of run down like it was old like he it was okay seen, not i mean not like you know like just kind of unused yeah right but like a truck pulls up and an officer gets out in a uniform and it's a gorilla dun 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 so the same <laughs> thing happens on earth that happens on sauron 
that <laughs> that essentially humans died out the apes were aping humans and it went to stagnation i can't i can't i can't believe it i read that and i i was i had to put everything down which so did phyllis and Jin, the apes that were reading it in their spaceship <laughs> and they were all like well that's just ridiculous yeah, this and, is pure fiction and Phyllis is like, oh, I don't know. I had some interesting points. Like, they're literally talking about the book how we're talking about the book. <laughs> they're just like, oh, it yeah. was pretty good. <laughs> and and the male monkey or the male <laughs> the male ape is like, now, now, honey, let's just calm down and get back to what we were doing. <laughs> like, don't worry about it. Turn their radio on to some smooth 70s and they go <laughs> sailing away. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, it was such a weird twist. They were poets, by the way. They were. <laughs> <laughs> the book ends essentially with with Ulysses seeing the ape, uh, seeing the gorilla, Nova screaming and running back to the ship. And then it cuts. And then we get to Phyllis and Jin reading it out in space. Who sent that bottle out into space? Right. It was Ulysses. Right? Yeah, but how? when? When? How <laughs> did he run back into the ship as well and write his story and then shove it out into space? I think that's. I think he opened the window while they were in space. No, he has to meet the ape first. <laughs> he can't write the ending before he lands and then sees the ape. No, no, he got back on the ship. Yeah, because remember in the beginning when when Phyllis and Jin find it. Mm -hmm. He starts out the story by saying, like, my family and I have been on, on oh, board this craft right. for so long. And we, we have like a, a self-sustaining farm and chickens and whatever. And yeah, I forgot about that, too. So somehow they get back onto their ship and leave. How big are these ships? Well, because it was one gorilla. It was one gorilla with a gun. That's not really yeah. going to stop you from getting back on your spaceship. I mean, it's not going to stop Charleston Heston, but I don't know about Ulysses. <laughs> Right, he's a different kind of guy. It'll only stop he's... Brent, and only Andrew right now knows what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that guy's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, it was such an odd, quick, and abrupt ending. And I get what he was going for. He was going for a twist. Oh yeah, but yeah, it wasn't that. It didn't have that Rod Serling flair of the of the film. Yeah. So it just didn't really have that like gravitas of. Here's the Statue of Liberty, which would have worked because, again, gift from France. And so, but it wasn't still in. Do you, right, but he could he could have landed in New York. Like, that was not going to happen. <laughs> when I was reading the book and the ending specifically, I was waiting for that sort of big twist. Like he's going to turn around and there's the Eiffel Tower, but it's on a different planet. He actually goes home to Earth. And so I wonder I wonder what reading the book would have been like if we hadn't known about the movie. Like would right. maybe that sort of twist would have been just as impactful. Hmm. But we're used to the you maniacs like that kind of thing. <laughs> so we're like, mm, no, it's a no go for me. You know what I mean? Like it's uh very interesting. It's kind of cursed to forever live in the shadow of of the film. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, unless it's your first thing that you experience, which is weird. What if you first <laughs> experienced the book? <laughs> right. Like nowadays, like I'm saying, like modernly, like someone's like, oh, what's this monkey planet? That looks pretty good. And then they start reading it and they're like, oh, this is this is pretty. Well, they made a movie. 
and then you know well i'm sure you know if somebody's reading it now and they found it in <laughs> barnes and noble it, it would have said planet of the apes and probably not monkey planet now a major motion picture yeah yeah now a major motion picture you know what you guys have to do you have to uh your your uh upcoming episodes of fan fiction has to do so well that you make a book and spin off oh, series. Oh man. Called Monkey Planet. And and then that gets so popular that everyone just knows what that is. And then we just Phenomenal. forget like 20 years from now, people are yeah. like, oh man, there's a new Monkey Planet movie out. And people are like, oh, that's great. You ever see the originals? And they'll be like, why? <laughs> yes, why, exactly. Why? These are Monkey Planet. <laughs> and the cycle continues. It's true though, because I mean, like the the mo- the most recent three movies are really damn good so i think that said we should wait a couple years let a bad movie come out to that tries to reboot it tim burton and then <laughs> yikes we wait and then we make a three movie trilogy that's even better than the last one because that's how that that's how the series works apparently yes that's right that's yeah. yeah it goes five one three one three what <laughs> Everyone knows that. Um, so yeah, everyone. So this was a weird one. Uh, with that, um, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Oh, so did I. Oh, me too. So with that, uh, I, I think it's it's good to wrap this up, Alexa. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey to Monkey Planet. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. <laughs> Where can can people find you online for your art and stuff like that? Because you are an amazing artist. So oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, Right now, I'm mostly on Instagram. Uh, it's Alexa Bug Twenty, um, and uh, on Facebook, just Alexa Riley. Uh, you can look at my art that I've made, not a lot recently. And uh, if you want to talk about movies and fun stories and stuff like that, I'm I'm always in. Joe, yo, that was a pretty sweet episode. That was awesome for Alexa to come on and talk to us about book as well as go on some pretty wild tangents Uh, it was fantastic really great interview she seemed to really enjoy herself and really uh wants to take a deep dive back into the planet yeah which is great we we encourage everyone to take deep dives back into uh, the faraway planet of the apes uh which is sometimes actually far away and near beetlejuice that said Guys, you can always uh, follow us online if you're interested in more of our opinions on terrible things or good things. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Major Plot Flaw. And you can follow this show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod Planet of Apes. You can also follow me at Instagram at Voices by Joe or my Twitter at Azari Joe. Yeah, that's 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 where you find us. Uh, so, guys, again, real big shout out to everyone who's listening. Thank you so much. If you want to leave a, a review and give us a rating, that would really help us out a lot. So with that, we are going to head out. And oh, as wait, wait, wait. Huge shout out to Louis Aronowitz. Oh, my gosh. Do not forget Louis. about Louis. Louis. Louis, you magnificent man. You perfect Adonis. You have created one of the best theme songs that any podcast will ever have. So thank you so much, Louie. You can check out Louie at his website, louiearonowitz.com and please book him. The guy does incredible work with that. Now I think we can sign out. Thank you, Joe. I think we can sign out Joe. Take it away with our classic catchphrase.
almost all great discoveries have been made by chimpanzees. I have nothing. I have no problem with that. That actually is accurate, and that is correct. Oh, yeah. Poor Hector. <laughs>